0: My very special guest for this episode is my old PhD student and very dear friend, Dr. Patrick Schreiner. We always have such a good time hanging out together, and we did on this drive around Louisville talking about his new book, On the Ascension.
1: Cars, coffee, theology. Uh, All right, old
0: man, welcome. Thanks. Such a delight. Such a delight. My goodness. Good to be back with you. In a unspecified date that we're doing this on. That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nobody, <laughs> No one knows. Well, i um, so glad this worked out that yeah. we could sweat together um, in the RX-8.
1: Yep.
0: Um, so as you know, I always ask the question of what was your first car?
1: Yeah. I've been preparing the, for this okay, because I'm, t- I'm terrible with cars. My dad didn't teach me anything about cars since right, you right, interviewed him. But, um, so I have two answers for you First, the first car that I drove and the first car that I owned. Yeah. The first yeah. car that I drove, in terms of like, my parents kind of gave it to us to drive other right. people to school because they didn't want to drive yeah. us to school, oh, right? that that's the way to go, yep. Was a 1991 Plymouth Voyager. Wow, bam okay. one side, and we called it um, the Gus Bus because okay. my brother's middle name, he first had it, was his Gus. And we drove the cable. Your brother's middle name is Gus? Yeah, from Gustav. Okay, okay not <laughs>
0: Augustus or anything. No. Good German name. So
1: we drove, you'll know these people, but we drove the Wagner kids yep. and the Cable kids. Okay. So it was two Schreiner kids, two Cable kids, and two Wagner kids so out you, to Christian Academy. Of you Bowl. drove by my house every yeah. day then, yep. right? Yeah, well, uh, Sherry would bring the cables okay. over to our house, okay. so we wouldn't always drive by. But So my first car, though, that I bought, actually, I had it, I think, when I worked for you in the office, was also 1991, which is when the twins won the World Series. So I must only buy 1991 cars. Okay. 1991 BMW 3 Series 318, five five speed car with a crank sunroof. You, you had a BMW yeah. 300 yep. Series. Yep. 1991. That when was my first for car. Me. Yeah. That's amazing. You never came out to I, my car. But, I guess I never did. Yeah. And and it was I, really cool. That is amazing. And it was also somebody had like lowered it. And I just, like, it was so wow. low to the ground. How did you come up that car? Uh, somebody in Vine Grove was selling it, and yeah. Hannah's family had a relationship with them. And Okay. And we, uh, she was just like, I need to get rid of this thing, and they sold it to me for, like, 900 bucks. That's so, amazing. Yeah, that was the first car I ever bought.
0: You know, your dad's a pretty famous guy, and I was wondering, is that because of you? <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's famous. I always say famous in really small circles. Micro, they call it. There's a name for that. Micro famous. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So people will be like, Whoa, you your dad's like really famous," and I'm like, "In a very, small, right, we're in right. very small world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, uh, yes, uh, he's famous for all the controversial things I'm saying. Maybe, <laughs> I say. maybe so. And, yeah. You know, yeah, he's been a great influence in terms of writing. I mean, we we've talked a lot about writing, and you're a big influence on me in writing. But oh, great. Um, they instilled in me a love of writing just by reading we read a lot as yeah. kids and i think i just loved literature because we read kind of classic literature british yeah. english lit and um they would sit down and read to us i mean even like, like read greek, a lot. yeah read yeah. out like we would read greek mythology stuff like when we were younger and so we just loved literature and i think that really plays into as you get older loving writing because if you like reading you end up absolutely. many times liking writing so absolutely yeah
0: well, in a little bit, we're going to talk about your ascension book. But one of the things that I was really struck by it is that you've done it. You figured out how to write a short book, yeah. Which I'm still, I'm still trying to. Right. I mean, I wrote a shorter book this time in the Jesus the Great Philosopher, but yeah. Yeah. and the small preaching is short, right. but right. yeah, but that's so you did it, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like, yeah. but you did it, and it's so clear and so. Oh, I mean, you've always been a um, because I have always thought with your writing because your journalism background, you yeah. were. Yeah, you were kind of quick and choppy to the point, um, and I always wanted you to get a little smoother. Yep. Most people have the opposite problem; they're too mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: too long. But I feel like you did. It. You found your voice, mm-hmm, you know, thanks. in this book. Yep. I don't know
1: if you yep. felt that way. It was a really was fun quick. project. I don't know. I mean, it was definitely. It's hard to write short, but it's also a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Do you want some tea?
1: Uh, can I do ice chai? <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: we'll have Sorry, a. no
1: coffee.
0: Grunt? I know. In your dad's episode, he got tea, and, and I'm okay. a tea yeah, drinker yeah, as well. Yeah. And okay. I, I remember. I very would distinctly. say I'm so
1: post hipster that I don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I never did drink coffee. <laughs> you're beyond. Yeah. You, I'm beyond you, you, you out hipster that stage. the hipsters. <laughs> I don't You drink coffee? coffee? Oh. That's so 2000. <laughs> <laughs> That's the chai. That's the chai. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. It looks like we have the same drink. But it we does. Don't. They, just Cheers. Make, they just have one. Oh, Cheers. crap.
0: So they just have one big drink. Oh, crap. And there's people behind me. Oh, crap. And the...
1: Whoa. <laughs> that would be me driving this thing. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right. Actually, the clutch is acting up a little bit. Where's the button?
1: It's underneath the okay. uh, manuscript. I'll, I'll reach for it. Yeah. <laughs> You're too small of a book. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay, you're a small preaching. There it is. Like this, though, right?
0: Uh, it's only twenty thousand words. So. Twenty thousand. Oh, yeah, this
1: is like thirty-five. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be it's the a 20, 28, right? A final ascent story combined with the transfer of prophetic power occurs in Second Kings two. Elijah, the great prophet of the hardened Israel, was climactically taken up in a whirlwind to heaven, and Elisha, his prophetic protege, received a double portion of his spirit. The narrative leading up to the scene is telling. That's the end of that paragraph. <laughs> and <laughs> we all just, and we all died. <laughs> we need, yeah. Have you? Did you read that book? Uh, uh, oh yeah, Ready oh, yeah. Player One for yeah, sure. Yeah. In fact, I, it, I need to re-listen to it. Ready Player Two or something? Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, but, but his other number. ones kind of sucked. Oh, I didn't. Read yeah, the he other ones. wrote. He wrote
0: some other books. They weren't yeah. that great. He might be a one-hit wonder.
1: I could keep. You want me to read the next paragraph or no? Just talk uh,
0: about it. no. Just go until that's enough. That is enough.
1: <laughs>
0: that is enough. No. Uh. So. Obviously, it's the book, The Ascension of Christ. So you were reading, it was saying something about Ezekiel there. Just tell us maybe what you're doing there, and then you can pull back and just say, what's this book about? I've got some specific questions. In
1: that story, this is the chapter on the ascension of the Prophet. So I looked at the book, or uh, Christ's ascent from Prophet, Priest, King, kind of the standard uh, way of looking at kind of his messianic role. And in each chapter, what I try to do is uh, look at, Old Testament shadow stories that inform the theology of his ascension because what you find in the New Testament is that the ascension a lot of people don't talk about it in the New Testament because there's not a lot of reflection theologically on why it happened. There's
0: only two places places where it's
1: narrated and the narration is pretty like historic just a historic kind of this is what happened. Yeah. Not much like pausing and reflecting on it. So in each chapter, I wanted to look back and think, are there kind of ascent stories that inform the theology of the ascension of Christ? And this story is key for the prophetic kind of story because you have Elijah and, Eli- Elijah and Elisha. And he has this narrative where he says in Second Kings 2, where he says, You won't receive a double portion of my spirit unless you watch me ascend." Yeah. Yeah. And it's always been a strange story to me as, a as, a as I read story. it. Like, why does he have to watch him? And then you go to Acts, and they're like, it, there's like five words of them gazing into the heavens yeah, and yeah, watching yeah. this happen. And I think what's going on there is Luke, that's as the Luke's author of Acts, yeah, is saying, hey, as they watch him do this, then the next chapter, of course, in Acts is the reception of the Spirit at Pentecost. Yeah, so they huge. receive. I think in some sense, a double, double portion well, of Well, you'll be able spirit. to do more than that's John. I was when that's I was right. with you. Yeah. That's right, and that's, that's a good canonical reading because yeah, yeah. one of the things I loved about studying the Ascension is, you know, you combine Luke and Acts, but canonically, you've got all this Holy Spirit stuff in John yeah. and the unity of God's people and, and uh, how he's going to leave and they're going to receive the paraclete, the comforter, and then you go to Acts, and that's exactly what happens. Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah, I think it was just really helpful for me to... Go back and kind of look through those Old Testament stories and say, actually, there is an imagination that was being formed in terms of someone ascending yeah. and them receiving gifts or him conquering or whatever that is.
0: So, and maybe especially Elijah, Elisha. Don't hit yeah. this guy! Oh my goodness! Hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. So is that obviously there's not a lot of New Testament or biblical studies work done in the Ascension, but there are a few theological works. Do they do that kind of Old Testament work, or is that more your move?
1: Kind no, of that was more my move. I mean, there was like, Douglas Farrow has done mm-hmm. some good work on it, and that's more theological. Um, t- uh, Tim Chester and John Woodrow have a, a little Ascension book, and they might have done a little bit of that, but that was more me kind of thinking more biblical or theologically, yeah, just trying yeah. to connect the two Testaments together and and seeing that, you know, the confession that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Messiah, that's all based on ascension realities. Yeah. And so, obviously, like Jewish thinkers were thinking back on like this ascension piece is hugely important for the installation of their king. Yeah. And and the idea, even in Greco-Roman times, of like giving gifts, even yeah. if. Yep. Good kings didn't always do that. Giving yep. gifts to the people. Yeah, that's good. And I think that gift, that gift, is tied to even Ephesians four and the reception of um, the people, the yeah. gifts of the people. Ephesians yeah. four yeah, eleven. That's good. Okay, that's good. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to come back to a lot of that, and, and particularly the king. And you think of I hadn't thought of it till just now, but the Psalms of ascent. And yes. you're going up, yep. right? Yep. But let, let me go back um, and say something again. Just the whole book was so clearly and interestingly written with nice little introductions to each chapter and and a neglected doctrine for sure so i mean i think Mm -hmm. it's just a great contribution a couple things about the preface i i thought it was funny that when you met with the Lexum agent Derek brown i think it was in portland to talk about it his response was why not (laughs) i thought that's the, the most non-committal and least encouraging response well, to
1: writing a book. Was there more to the conversation then the, or that was it? There was well, more okay. to the conversation. So we went to four K No, which in Spanish is why not?
0: Uh, right, right. Okay, so I right, was kind of, of doing a play on the right, words right, there. Right. right.
1: And uh, we were talking and he was just like, do you have any topics you want to write on? You know, we do this little snapshot series. Yeah, yeah. And I, actually I had preached on the Ascension and done almost a similar outline, very similar outline. Okay. And I thought, man, I'd love to expand upon this. And right on this morning, I was writing a commentary on Acts, yeah, and I was yeah. seeing it everywhere. Actually, it goes back to even PhD days. Yep. When I did the with Spatial. Matthew Sleeman, yeah. he has this, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. O- I think, Oak Hill. Yep. He has a book on geography and the Ascension yep. narrative in Acts, like 1 through 11. Yeah. And so even from those days, I was thinking about the importance of the Ascension. And so I, it was kind of a return to the topic. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't come back to it. And so when... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> they are very that committed was perfect right
0: <laughs> Speaking of the series, I did notice uh, not only the reference to the Porquet No, which Porquet I, no. I did fail at, yep. um, but I noticed you didn't mention, you didn't thank Mike Bird, who was the series editor. Is there a particular reason? <laughs> this is for you, Mike. You didn't even mention him. He's the series editor. Not a single word. That's like perfunctory.
1: I love Mike Bird, but I don't think he ever even read the book. <laughs> no, i <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> Crap. All right. Um, You know, usually those uh, thank yous come, sometimes I write them early because I send my manuscripts pretty early on to people and get feedback from them, and I probably just forgot to include him. I think he wrote me and just said two thumbs up.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, Mike,
1: if you're listening, there was some good feedback. He was like, this is great.
0: Okay. That was good. I just noticed. Usually, you, you thank the series editor, but uh, apparently not. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up. Me yeah, and Mike, yeah, well, great relationship. Yeah, exactly, totally. That's that's it. Yeah. Um, and I also noticed from the preface that there was no Arcade Fire in the playlist.
1: Yeah, very you know, odd. Maybe I wasn't just in the Arcade Fire mood. What? Uh, I don't even remember what was in my playlist uh, at this some point. Other... But I, I love Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire do. is one of my favorite bands. I know they are. The National, First Aid Kit, Amos Lee, Bon Iver, Vampire Weekend, Nicholas Bratel, Max Richter. It it goes, so when I write books, it goes from um, kind of classical score uh, soundtracks. Yep to make me think like everything I'm writing is really epic. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Hans Zimmer. it's not. There's no exactly. there Zimmer. I mean, Zimmer is great to write Zimmer to. is great too. Yeah. I have a yep. playlist. I probably, I probably listen to Zimmer yeah. a lot. Yep.
0: But then I go to, I kind of like indie music. You were writing a commentary on Acts, yep. which is done. So that right. was part of it. I did wonder about the spatial, you know, your PhD work. Yep. Under yours truly, um, mm-hmm. the the whole spatial theory and spatial approach—it came up a couple of times yeah. in the book as well. Yeah, and I thought some of the things you said about that were really interesting. That that um, you know, Christ, re, things you said from your dissertation, Christ reorders yeah. space through his right earthly. But then this added to it the ascension element yeah, of it. It seems totally. like it deepened that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything else about that. i Yeah, some sure. Decisions. I
1: mean, I, you know, everything at few, no, other people don't notice it, you would, because, you know, you were my supervisor, but everything that I've written is kind of tied together mm-hmm. in one way. I know and, that feeling, yeah. And it's, it's, some of the streams are looser than others, or not as full, I guess, yep. as others. But yeah, the Ascension, um, I think the geographical imagination of Luke is based on the heavenly journey of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So many times we just think about Acts as the journey of the apostles to the ends of the earth, but that begins with a journey to the highest heavens of Christ who then sends, I mean, this is Matthew's theology too in the Great Commission, who can send them into all nations because he's king of the whole universe. And I think if you've read like Conrad and Matthew, he does the same type of thing that there is a shift in Jesus's kind of vocation or I don't don't know what the best word is to use but once he's exalted there's a unique thrusting into the nation that he then sends his disciples on and so I found that really helpful just to continue to come back to because Jesus also ends up kind of coming down and popping up at these key scenes in Acts so like you think about Stephen Um, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father not sitting but standing Saul's
0: conversion and
1: Saul's conversion so Jesus (laughs) keeps on kind of being active at these key moments Right, and as Paul's even going on mission it's the spirit of Jesus who leads him into Macedonia and Philippi and um, that, even when I did Acts, I didn't realize that he's kind of doing the, he's retracing Alexander the Great's steps in opposite direction. Huh. And there's a lot wow. of conquering of <laughs> really? like, yeah, like going across the waters and saying now it's not just the east coming to the west, but the west coming to the east. And I was like totally blown. Hey, away other by people, that stuff. I've, I've missed that. Other people um, yeah, pointed that out. Yeah, Keener did a lot with that. Okay, massive. Ford and who quality. would know because yeah, he exactly. actually
0: knows the ancient sources yep. sources inside and out. Exactly.
1: Know? So I found it really interesting to just note, and many people have noticed this, but that Jesus is not non-active and acts; he's active, but oh, he's it's active. A, it's not just in the, the heavens, spirit, even. Right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. So one of the most interesting things about the approach of the book, and I, I know that when you're writing a book, it's. At least my experience is that there's actually several different ways you think about approaching the topic and organizing it. And that's such a crucial part of it that the reader doesn't see uh, until the end. Like they don't see the process of, I could organize it completely this way. Right. Um, But you chose to organize it in a way that uh, is unexpected, but makes sense. And I really, really liked. And that is based on the three offices that Munu's... Uh, munus triplex. Yeah, what triplex, it is? Yeah. Um, of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. Um, rather than uh, what maybe would be typical in a lot of the evangelical modern world of a BT kind of approach. Right, right. I mean, you end up doing biblical study stuff for each of them, but right. still, the organizing principle of the book was actually the the three offices of Christ. Yeah. So I'd love to hear like how you came to that, and yeah. and what effect do you think that had. On yeah. The project overall. So,
1: so I came to that actually when I preached a sermon on on the topic. I was preaching I think on Ascension Sunday at our church, and so I was tasked with preaching on the Ascension. Which side note, so I think many times it's not yep. talked about always- because we think the resurrection is kind of the ultimate climax, yep. and we're like we're done Easter yep. Sunday, yep. Like, yep. we're back to just normal church calendar. But historically, they've included Ascension Sunday 40 days later, and then Pentecost Sunday as well, Absolutely. which I think brings a nice kind of completion to Christ, you know, you have His, his birth, His death, or His life, His death, resurrection, Ascension, and pouring out the Spirit. So, um, when I preached the sermon, I just looked at it through these angles, because I felt like, I was like, what do I say about the Ascension in terms of His continued work? That was one of the big emphases I wanted to have, so we can... I think it's somewhat obvious that like it's the exaltation of Jesus. But what I really wanted to press in into this book is how is Christ continuing to work now that he's in heaven? And you need categories to begin thinking of, well, how does he continue yeah. to work? And Prophet Priest and King. And Prophet Priest and King was yeah. just like, Yeah, if he was all of these things upon the earth, how is he a now a better prophet, priest, and king Super in helpful. heaven? And, you know, some people add Sage to that, which, yep. been, which I'm very happy yeah. About. <laughs> yeah, that as well. I think that's very yeah.
0: important, too. Yeah, but. I think that's very
1: important, too. But I decided to just go with the three because I do think... As a prophet, kind of declaring the word of the Lord, especially building his church as a priest, the intercessor, and then as the king reigning over all. And I do think... And sacrificed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the kind of twist on it, too. Exactly. And there is kind of a leading up to the kingship of Jesus. So a few people were in there like, why don't you start with the kingship of Jesus? And I actually thought about that, but I wanted to end with the kingship of Jesus because there's... And this is something I'd love to explore more. It seems like at the beginning of the Bible, there's this um, combination of those three roles with Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. that somehow get split as time goes on. And then they come back together in certain figures, like David, kind of acts as a priest type figure as well, and king type figure. And Moses to some degree. And Moses, yeah, Yeah. that's right. Right. And then in Christ, they ultimately all come back together. That's good. And so, I mean, you can almost think of them as like. The Venn diagram with three circles, like overlapping. In Except for roles. you do
0: argue that King is actually there's a central there's a centrality. I, yeah. I maybe yeah. maybe I've missed that in other in other theological writings, but I thought that was very intriguing. Yeah, kind of ties into the kingdom theme throughout. That's that. right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just think that's a huge emphasis. So, that for me, that was just helpful to begin to structure my own thinking in terms of what is he continuing to do? He not The ascension not only. Um, again, exalts his work, but it amplifies his work as he continues and puts it
0: in a new. I think you say the three roles are in a new epic, yes, or new era, and yeah. then I think you could
1: also say a new space. Then, that's right. That's right. right. And this is yeah. why John can say Gospel of John, right? It's better, or Jesus in the Gospel of John. It's better that I leave, and I think a lot of us are like, why? <laughs> well, yep. why is it better that you leave yep, if yep. being with you bodily is the best end state? I mean, you think of the new heavens, new earth, we're waiting to be with Jesus. We're waiting to have the messianic ba- banquet with him. So why now? I mean, there's a lot of answers that could be given, but there's something mm. about that his work now in heaven, which actually, and this is hard for us to comprehend. It's superior. It's actually superior yeah. to him being on right. the earth. It's better right. for us. Right, right. And uh, that, that uh, continually helpful. struck me as yeah, I yeah. worked on it, just that we actually live, and, and this is what Peter says, like, we are more privileged now because we have, this is what he says, I think it's in Second Peter 1, we have the word more fully confirmed than on the Mount of Transfiguration. Huh? And yeah. I was like, I yeah. mean, we, we, wouldn't we rather be on the Mount of Transfiguration yeah, watching yeah. and be like the, the glorification that's of the sun, su- super and he helpful he says no you you have the word more fully confirmed and i think he's looking and saying we watched him ascend into the heavens everything was confirmed and authorized he's the king he's the prophet he's the priest and we know that he's vindicated in that sense so
0: okay that's super helpful so i want to i want to come back to a little bit more, more about the ascension but let me side step us here for a second in light of what we were just talking about to ask how you think about the relationship of Biblical studies to biblical theology to dogmatic or systematic theology because they're not the same thing yeah. exactly. More yeah. tra- kind of more traditional biblical studies approach because in this book again I would have expected you just, just kind of a straight BT or yeah. or a more academic biblical studies approach you know starting with Luke and Acts or right, whatever Right. but you do use these theological constructs I'm just curious what reflections at a more general yeah. level you have about the relationship one, one of my early
1: readers I won't name him Mike Bird no, I'm just kidding you know,
0: <laughs> that's why I left him out because <laughs> his comment kind of sucked so much
1: oh there's the bridge right yeah uh, I'm like have squirrel, you been, squirrel. Yeah, have you been across the new bridge oh it's beautiful you go under this tunnel and come out yeah. it's really oh, nice yeah um Yeah, so one of my early readers actually critiqued me because he was like, why don't you just do a BT? Like, BT, you should just do a biblical theology of it. But, so this is a longer way to answer your question. But, I, I mean, biblical theology is so great because you're just... I view the relationship of... I mean, this is simplistic, but... Now, biblical studies is more narrow, and biblical theology is just widening your horizon. Uh, basically, yeah. you whole canon widening your canon. Right? So, if you think of it yep. in concentric circle, yep. b- biblical studies is saying, "Okay, what is this paragraph? What is this chapter getting at?" Biblical theology is saying, "How does this fit into the whole canon yeah. in terms of progressive revelation?" And I mean, they're they're both great. Like one of the things I always tell our students is that biblical theology is actually really difficult to do because you end up prioritizing what you want to yep. <laughs> like you kind of say well this is important and then you downplay everything else that doesn't kind of fit the narrative right, right. and so it can be dangerous to do but it's also really fun and we see the Absolutely. apostles obviously doing that Yep. but systematics, I mean there's been so much suspicion of systematics and dogmatic theology is just coming alongside and making sure this is all reconciled together. Mm-hmm. That we're thinking, it's almost like you have these different spheres of thought and making sure that they talk to one another and talk mm-hmm. to one another well. And, and, and it asks another set of questions that's too. That's right, that's I right, think. yeah. An yep. important set of questions. That's right. And so this was, honestly, I kind of did a little bit of everything in the book and my favorite chapter to write was actually the last chapter, where I integrated the ascension, you probably didn't even get there, but no, I'm I didn't. just get Yeah, no, no, I did <laughs> um, Where I integrated the ascension into other theological categories. Yep. Absolutely. And I think as a biblical studies guy, at least in training, it was, I have, you have the tendency in biblical studies to begin seeing something and then da- like not integrating <laughs> it with other things. Right, right? Right, right. And so it actually was a check on my own thinking. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, the ascension is so important. Like, let's not talk about the resurrection anymore or let's not talk about these other things. But then when I put it like right next to other doctrines I started to actually think more specifically about how is the resurrection different from the ascension. How does the incarnation inform the ascension how does eschatology or the return of christ inform the ascension mm-hmm. and that just that thinking process of putting those things next to one another i think is it's almost like a rule of faith type thing yep, right yep. You're, you're kind of checking yourself yep. and saying these all matter let's, and they all let's not go buck wild on acts 1 9 yep, through 11 yep. and stop talking about everything else but totally. say let's integrate these things together so that just in terms of my own processing i, I mean i'm Inf- influenced by you and others that uh, we need to integrate these more and more dogmatic theology is not a second step to mm-hmm. reading the bible it's an integral part of the process all along yeah. it's not like you go from biblical studies to biblical theology to right. systematic theology right. i think that's too simplistic i think we're always reading with those categories and it's form it's just more fluid than that yeah yeah
0: so that's great yeah
1: so i don't know if
0: you've It's no problem if you haven't, but I don't know if you got a chance to watch the episode with Mike Allen and or the one with Fred Sanders. I watched Fred Sanders. Where both of those... I think
1: Mike Allen had his sunglasses on, so I decided not to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Both of those, um, that issue comes up, because in in Fred's book on the Trinity, he does a good job of talking about those issues. And then, Mike, we were talking about something else, but there are a couple articles that he wrote... That I use in the class I'm co teaching with your dad on the relationship of BT and ST that I'd really recommend to you. Yep. Yep. um, That we also talk about in that episode. So it's good.
1: And I remember he mentioned, I can't remember exactly what he said, but something about like, you know, even systematics, they give us language that's not biblical language, but they're clarifying Mm. concepts to help think through. Like, do we ever have, I'm just thinking through even what I did, do we ever have like a clear prophet, priest, and king—like exposition—it's it, it, actually us coming on top. And Those are theological categories. Those are theological categories. make sense? Categories of things, yeah. make sense. Right. And yep. I think actually the person who critiqued me—they're—they're they're coming more from that biblical studies. For right. sure. Why well, use these categories? That's not biblical. Right. I, well, I think it actually is. And that's
0: a problem, right? Yeah. And that's the great modern problem of biblical studies: is that it doesn't have the capacity to recognize that <clears throat> theological work and approach is not less biblical, it's just approaching it with a set of biblically derived That's right and other good questions that yes, need to be asked that's at the right. text. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well that's great. Um, well back to the book you do talk the subtitle talks about it being a neglected doctrine mm-hmm. and you at the early on talk about some of the reasons why you think it's neglected do you recall those off top of your head just to kind of repeat yeah a few
1: i know i had five but maybe i can go through a few of them because i have have two to add you have two to add yeah yeah for sure i I mean i I already said this but it's not neglected in all spheres just to be clear Uh, i was kind of speaking to a specific crowd i think actually in the higher church tradition because they keep kind of Focusing Church on calendar the ascension. And, they yeah. actually do speak about this. So it's it's just in a certain sphere of kind of evangelicalism, I think. Um, so so some of the reasons it's neglected is we already mentioned it's you don't actually have a lot of uh, narratives about the ascension. So you have a lot about Jesus' life. You only have a few verses at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts that actually narrate it. So at the end of Acts, no narration or at the end of Matthew, no no narration of the ascension, at the end of Mark, no narration. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 of first importance he doesn't say ascension and so I think if you're kind of reading more literalistically you're not putting that in the category of this is really important Um, I also think I mean we as evangelicals we usually talk about that which is controversial and for some reason the cross substitutionary atonement has been the kind of point of controversy right and so I don't even know if that was one of my points but I think we end up talking about kind of the flashpoints of what we're arguing about, which is natural and fine, but for some reason, the ascension just hasn't been as controversial, I think part of the reason is historical, critical scholars are kind of just like, this is ridiculous and more conservative people are just like, okay, but we don't really know what to do with it because one of the things I was reflecting on in comparison with resurrection, like resurrection is like, well yeah Jesus is here, got a better body this is great, but ascension it's kind of like what are the implications? Yeah, yeah. Why did he leave? There why is this a good yeah. a miracle? Like, right, right. In terms of, it's a miracle. Like, why is it good news that Jesus ascended? And then I think we neglected partially because at least this is what I was thinking about as I was studying through it. Is it's just kind of strange that yeah somebody floats up into the air? And I was in the book. I just had a few lines about like. I never thought about, like, how fast he went, <laughs> or slow, <laughs> like... <did> he- <laughs> was it uh, Iron Man? Where'd he go? Or was it, like, the balloon thing, where you're like, I think I still see him! He's, <laughs> he's still up there! Nope! Nope, that's... Or, like, that's- super
0: slow when he's going up, everybody's just kind of standing there, so, like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> they could definitely do, like, a Monty Python thing, like...
0: Totally. Hey, Jesus, we got
1: one more question for
0: you! <laughs> he comes back
1: down, goes back up. So it is kind of strange from a modern perspective, and if you're thinking more, like, scientifically... Like, when he gets out of our atmosphere, <laughs> you know, like, what? so does he need a helmet up there? Like... Totally. Like, well, what, what's going on there? Well, like...
0: The, one of the ones I wanted to add that I think is, you know, certainly dovetails with yours is that I think, and it relates to the spatial issue, one of the things that happens in the modern period, and then especially in the 20th century when space becomes something, meaning, like, uh, outer space... Yeah, right. We think... Completely in physical terms right. about the world, it's it's yep. truly a, we live in a materialistic world, totally. rather than what most humans have done, and probably still today, for most people in the world they think of both of a two part world where there's the yep. physical and there's the unseen. That's right. We have like no room for the unseen, yep. so the ascension becomes embarrassing. But even if we're not directly embarrassed, we just are like, I don't know, kind of what you're saying. It's yeah. funny, like where is he? Right, exactly. Like somebody might yeah. ask, where is he? Where, is where he? if we only have materialistic categories, yes. that's really hard to answer. Yeah. But if you have a very built-in, there's two realms. That's right. World, and, then he's there. And a know? great
1: way to phrase that is, and this comes actually from a dissertation work and reading actually a history of kind of spatial thought, is exactly as you said, we only think of space physically, but space is also relational. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, they're communicating relationships of things through putting it in a spatial orbit if that yep. makes sense. Yep, yep. So, and we actually still do the same even in terms of like someone sitting at the front of the room. You yep. know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Like that's communicating something. But I think in that worldview, they did have more of a relational view of like this is significant, this has theological importance and even someone, I mean like on inauguration day standing up and putting their hand yep. over yep. the Bible, Bible and in the middle, exactly. You know, they're, 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 it's still there in our imagination because I think it's actually humans we can't kind of get away from that. Yep. Yep. Um, but that's it, that's exactly right, and so I think we, in the modern kind of perspective, we've we just don't know what to do with it. But yep. they knew like this is this is the crowning of the king. This is why yep. they could go. I mean, this for me reading through Acts then and Peter's sermon in Acts two. X 236, he after an exposition of the ascension based on Psalm 1101, he says he is now Lord and Messiah because mm-hmm. I saw him rise yeah. up into yeah, the yeah. heavens. Yeah, yeah. Now he still has a body as well, though. So right. like th- that actually was a hard piece for me because I wanted to get past the physicality of it, but I didn't want to go fully past the yeah, physicality yeah. of it because he's still a man. Yeah, yeah, he's in the glorified state. That's right. And I think that's the mystery of he is Still a human being in a glorified state in a physical
0: body in a physical, physical body, body right
1: in a place that is beyond our comprehension. Yep, yep. <laughs> like yeah, I, that's right. I just don't think that we can wrap our minds around. It. And it seems like the New Testament authors aren't interested in like, well, let me I'll explain this to you, physically right, right, like in terms right. of physics and metaphysics. At the end of Luke, um, Jesus blesses uh, his disciples, and I think it was. Uh, Kelly Kepik who did a, a journal article yep, on this yep, yep. who said that's the priestly blessing yeah. as they come like out of the presence of God. And that was like, Oh, I was, uh, I had yeah, never yeah. seen that before. Yep, yep. And I thought it was so important in terms of, so on, on my chapter on priesthood, it's not only sacrifice, it's not only intercession, but it's also blessing. Yeah. Blessing to his people. Yeah. And I think that piece I had missed in terms of the blessing aspect of it. Kind of that's as you really said. It's really good. Yeah. That's really good. It was so well written so interesting
0: it really was a neglected doctrine it made me think about all kinds of things when I teach the gospels and yep. Acts to tie in so I just want yeah. to thank you man oh was thanks really, appreciate it it was really really good and I'm really yeah. glad so you finished Acts Commentary what else are you working on?
1: yeah I'm finishing it so we're still on editing stage okay um, and so that's in its final stages. I'm working on a New Testament overview book, a visual outline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of the, yeah I've showed you a few of the images. Yeah, yeah. But what great. we're going to do is we're going to outline each book with kind of an icon visual representation. Hello, geez. <laughs> just I'm a, sure you've gotten that Just before. a laughing, crying face every time that's Matthew. Here's where they're happy, here's where they're <laughs> sad oh, In Galatians it's all sad. <laughs> In Galatians he's just going to be like ah. <laughs> the, the nuclear one where his hat His head is blowing <laughs> <That's> Exactly <laughs> Anyways, so we're going to do that And it, the artist is so good And we, what we do for every I don't want to talk too much about it But what we do for every section Is we talk through like what image best represents like these few chapters so yeah, it's yeah. really hard to do sometimes oh, that's a
0: great question yeah. so
1: I'm doing that and then I have uh, actually an axe so my world is axe now it feels like but it's uh, uh, good stay it's, out of
0: Matthew yeah <laughs>
1: Uh, like a New Testament biblical theology that I'm doing with Crossway on it. Is that for your dad's? It's, it's, it's your, for the yeah, yeah. yeah my dad yeah. gives me every book. By
0: <laughs> <way>. <laughs> well, no, I'm supposed to be doing the Matthew one.
1: Yeah. as well. Oh, you're doing that? That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And so it's more, as you know, it's more of a it's not tracing um, like themes, but it's more theological themes and seeing that in the book. At least that's the way I'm approaching. It. I don't know if everyone's gonna do the same, but I'm looking at um, like God the Father, Christ the Son, His action, Holy Spirit. The church, so forth and so on, in uh, Acts, witness, and so that's an, another project. what's great. On. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So, as you may know, there's some questions oh, in yeah, the envelope. Choosing right. envelope there.
1: We're in your neighborhood uh, now.
0: Yeah. yeah we're close. Well, this is the slightly go, nicer neighborhood. Go Cardinals. I, that that one I think was just used recently. So, don't do that uh, one. I don't know.
1: Okay. It doesn't. Actually, need to be the, the
0: questions are kind of. I don't know what's happening with those. The questions are on repeat now. Sorry. But uh, what did you get? What's the
1: oldest thing you own? I need to come up with some new questions, but that's fine. Uh, I'll tell you a sad story right now. I don't know if it's the oldest thing we own. Okay. But um, we, so we're in the transition of moving from Portland, Oregon yeah. to Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and we got rid of a ton of furniture because most of our furniture <laughs> was just kind of Collected over the years, right? And we're moving, and we got to put on a big truck. There's a few pieces of furniture that we have, and one is this old antique buffet, and it was the first piece of furniture Hannah, my wife, bought for us okay. as a couple. Yeah, and she was like, "Yeah, we're not getting rid of this. Like, this is my favorite piece. It goes under our TV. It, it's just kind of like this really neat yeah. piece." And uh, so we kept that, but we like sold our bed, we sold our couches, we sold so much stuff, and the movers came and. Um, <laughs> They, they broke to... the leg. Oh no! They broke the leg, <laughs> and we were so sad. And, is it but, fixable? Uh, yeah, I, I talked to a woodworker who said it's fixable, but you'll have to get like different legs on it. Yeah. Like basically, it's right, not—it's right. not fixable the way it yeah. is. You can keep the base and then just get new legs on it, and um, so that, <laughs> that's the sad story of the oldest thing we heard. <laughs> All right, well, man, this has been great.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. Appreciate you. it. All right, thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to all of our social media and especially our YouTube channel. We also have a Patreon account if you want to support us that way. Thanks again. We'll see you on the road.